0: hi everyone this is christina welcome to rewrite motherhood today we have a really special guest with us my dear friend marlise who was actually my freshman year roommate at college so i feel very fortunate that we happened to get placed in the same dorm room and we're able to share in a lot of the struggles of being a freshman at college and all of the transition that that brings into your life during that season. And so I'm so excited to have Marlise with us here today. Marlise, and you'll hear more about her story in a minute, is in the middle of medical school and she just had her first baby last year. So we have a lot to talk about in terms of her journey to medical school and her journey to motherhood. So I'd like to get started if you just want to say hi to everyone, Marlise.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm really excited to talk about um, just my journey. I'm a non-traditional med student, so I went to med school later um, knowing that I'd probably have to have my kids in training, just given how long the path is. And so um, I'm really excited to encourage other women who are considering going to medical school but worried that they can't do both, that it is possible. It's really hard, but it's possible. and also, I really am excited that to see the woman that Christina has become too, because we definitely, <laughs> looking back um, fresh and near, I think we have grown up a lot and I don't think we, I think we'd be really proud of the woman that we become. I think we would.
0: Oh, I love that. I think so too. We have come yeah. a long way. <laughs> yes, we have. I think
1: you had your life more together than I did. I remember you're like very organized and you went to bed on time and I think I was still like much more of a mess freshman year but <laughs> I think we'd be I think we'd be happy with with where we are
0: <laughs> I think that's absolutely right well let's then let's talk about a little bit you know you mentioned you're uh, going to medical school a little bit later in life so can you kind of walk us through whatever points you want to touch on your journey from college all the way you know 10 years later now just being in the middle of medical school
1: yeah, so I think kind of what we're talking about freshman year, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I had a lot of anxiety about that actually. I just felt like I I just felt like I just didn't know, you know, what to major in, like where should I be a teacher? Should, like I just I just felt very confused and that was hard. I felt like a lot of my friends like kind of knew what they wanted to do, their pre-law or pre, like, you know, pre-medicine. Um, and so I just kind of joined a lot of um, Different activities I was interested in. I was really interested in like health and mental health, but I was English major, so that was kind of weird. But I would like write a lot about trauma um, and how it was represented in literature, and that was just kind of where I was passionate about and something I had been doing since high school. Um, And then I applied for a fellowship um, my junior year that was a federal service fellowship, and they really liked that type of work that I had been doing, even though I like hadn't done health policy like formally, um, they accepted me and I committed to doing my master's in public policy at Princeton and then two more years working in the federal service um, and just working on kind of like child welfare and trauma and domestic violence and things like that and human trafficking. And so during that time, during working for the government for two years is kind of when I decided that it would be really nice to have the clinical perspective of a physician and then also kind of that policy that would be like a really good combination. And so um, I talked to a lot of people. And I was discouraged by a lot of people too um, about kind of going to medical school. But in the end, I was stubborn enough to kind of take all my science classes. And um, my current med school really liked my background. And I ended up going to med school and I'm graduating next year.
0: Awesome. So I want to highlight a few things in that kind of that truncated version of your story, which I know was a long process. So first, I want to explain to people who aren't familiar with the, the fellowship you did. So Princeton, and Marlies would never say this, but Marlee's got into a very prestigious program through Princeton called Cincy, right? That's what they call it. Yeah. Um, so can you explain a little bit about what it is, how you do your coursework, and then a the job, and kind of how long it is, and what it is?
1: So it's changed a little bit since I did it, but at the time it was basically it was so basically it was like a fellowship to try to encourage more people to go to the federal service. And it was, you would, you got it your junior year if you were accepted and then you did, um, like a fellowship in the federal government, which I did on family violence, um, and prevention services, and then graduate med school or (laughs) graduate undergrad. And then you do a year of like intensive, like coursework, um, then two years working wherever you want in the government. And for me, I was um, kind of made a sacrifice in that sense because I was getting married to my current husband and I decided to work in a more of a field office instead of DC where most people did. Um, but that actually ended up being a really amazing time because I was in a smaller office. We did much more um, local efforts in terms of like spraying the Affordable Care Act and like working on human trafficking initiatives. So it was very grassroots and we'd like work with hospitals directly. Um, and so that's kind of when I thought about going to med school and then we'd come back and then finish our last year of the, of the master's. So, and it was fully funded. So that was really, was really nice about it. Um, and kind of gave me like the structure and like the ability to kind of figure out my life during that time, which I really appreciated.
0: Yeah, so how many years total was the program,
1: including the coursework
0: and the jobs?
1: I guess six years from when you get it to when you graduate.
0: Okay, and so at what point in that timeline did you get married?
1: Yeah, so I started dating my husband now um, when I was, when I literally just got the program, actually. So he was, I was a junior and I got it, and then he was a senior, about to graduate, So I had just gotten Cincy, so I knew I'd be in Princeton um, and working government for a long, for like, until I was like 26, which sounded like really old at the time. Yeah. Um, And then um, Charles moved back to where he's from, Chicago, and where I currently live now, Um, and so during that time, we got engaged. um, While he was like, while I was like finishing up senior year, he was like, had graduated and was like working in Chicago. Um, And so we kind of started the process, which has been a theme in our marriage of kind of making sacrifices for each other in our careers. So he only applied to law school where I could work in the federal government. So there's only certain like like states and cities where you could work in the federal government. Um, So he only applied to those places and then I was only going to, like work in places like that, even though like theoretically I should be in DC, like I just decided to go to a field office and that would be like what I would do to be like my end of the sacrifice. Um, And then and then it got even more complicated with us knowing we had to be back at the New Jersey, like Philly, New, Philly, New York area. Um, Like when I was done with my two years and Charles would always like intern in Philadelphia during law school in order for us to like, no, like move, like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of had to like establish yourself. So like, that was his way of being like, okay, I want to be in like the New Jersey, like Philly area for my wife. Cause she has to go back to school. And like, we didn't want to be long distance with like him staying in Boston where he went to law school. Um, And so we would like transfer, like we would live in Boston for the year and then I transferred to the Philly branch in the summers. um, And we would do that for that, those two years. And then we moved, um, he got a clerkship in, um, in New Jersey and so that was kind of like how we we're able to to deal with that sorry it's really confusing but we basically, no, um, I, I don't, I don't think I think
0: every mom I mean, we've only talked to a couple so far but I think it will be a common thread throughout everyone's story is number one having a supportive spouse and number two kind of that balance like you were talking about where each of you is maybe taking what even appears to be a step back and what I would argue I think in retrospect actually ends up being really beneficial, but kind of the give and take of a marriage when you have two careers. So I love how you said, you know, you were in a satellite office and you thought that, that would not be maybe as exciting or sexy as being in DC, but how it actually worked to your benefit. So I would love to hear more about that. And sort of just generally speaking, as you've watched the two of you kind of give and take for his career and your career, um, what kind of your reflections are on the benefits of doing that when you're, you know, making an air quote sacrifices, but how they can actually be really beneficial for you and for your marriage.
1: Yeah, I think that it's been really interesting, like, reflecting on that, because we've moved a lot. And I think because of that, because we've been both trying to balance each other's, like, careers. And I think a lot of people are just like, where do you live now? Like, why are you moving so much? And a lot of it was just us being like, trying to make that give and take like okay you have to be here now like i'll be here like how do we make this work and throughout that process we've made so many great friends and like learned about different communities and like um lived in different cities and established connections in ways that or like have kind of pushed the bounds of what we thought we would do like for example charles like. He has had a really interesting career, partly because I force him to move so much. Um, because he um, he was like thinking we just live in New Jersey and Philadelphia. And then I came to him and I was like, I think I'm gonna go to med school. Um, and that was like another time where we had to like, he had to make that sacrifice where I got into medical school in Chicago where his family is. So in, in a way he was coming back home, but we he was like had a job he loved as a prosecutor in Jersey and We didn't know if he'd get a job. He was in Bard in Illinois. And like, it worked out that he got this amazing job. That's like really been great for him professionally. Like it really has like really been amazing. Um, He had to take the bar again, which is not fun, but like it's I think it's pushed us to do things that we wouldn't have done and like actually like elevated our professional like standing by having to make those sacrifices versus like the very cookie cutter way of like Charles goes to law school in this place and he goes to a law firm like it's been much more like interesting the way we've had we've done it.
0: Yeah, and I know for me too I felt like when I was trying to decide to go where to to go to law school and I followed Jack to Dallas and I was a little bit resentful about that choice even before starting, because that's not the law school I wanted to go to. And I remember somebody telling me like, you're, you're married now. Like what is God's plan for you is also God's plan for him. Like there is a, there is now a joint plan. And so I'm curious Mm -hmm. if you feel that way too. Now looking back that it, it, when you became that unit, that there was no longer these like separate paths, but the path was somehow going to be joined together even if it seemed crazy and it involves a lot of moves and sacrifices
1: I do I think that I think I am really blessed that we feel that way about each other like we don't like I'm saying like it's a sacrifice but we really felt like it was like it didn't feel like it at the time it felt like an adventure that we're trying to support each other like you know I helped him with like his job application he helps me through like it just has felt like we're jointly like progressing in our careers together um and I, so I think that it seems progressive in some ways. Cause I think not, this is kind of a new thing where I've noticed this more where to a lot of um, my friends they have other spouses that are, are like partners who are also like career oriented and they're trying to figure out how do we like combine this and the world isn't really set up for that. Like, I think yeah. things are not really set up like for example, the bar exam is not set up or wasn't set up at the time. It's getting a little better for people to move around freely with their and you know now with universal bar like it's a little bit easier but i think there is a way in which um you really have to be on the same page and it's really helped strengthen our marriage and have like make us figure out what our goals are and our goal has always been to stay together not be long distance and so i think that's really helped too that like we both are like we want both of us to have professional you know we both want to do well professionally but there's some sacrifices we might have to make But in the end, like, are they really sacrifices? Like, okay, you go to like a different med school than you had anticipated. Like, you're still going to be a doctor. (laughs) Like, so it's made us like kind of like,
0: you know, be a little bit
1: flexible with our goals too.
0: Yeah. And just, I think reprioritize. And, you know, I think all of these lessons are true of motherhood too. And we'll get to that in a minute. But I always say when I'm talking about motherhood, I hope people don't take it just for motherhood. Like anytime you're in a sacrificial relationship, that's going to be present right you're going to have mm-hmm. to make decisions and reprioritize um, and but in the end it's just so good for you to not always be thinking about yourself <laughs> or thinking about yourself in, in in a larger context whether that's as a sister or a daughter or a friend um, i just think that's so important for us as humans so i love so i love to hear you say that so you're in your mid 20s you decide to go to medical school can you talk a little bit about that how charles felt about it and was the complication of going to medical school a little bit later and your desire to be a mom, how did you, I'm sure you were even thinking about that at that time. So I'd love to hear about that decision.
1: Yeah, I think, so basically I knew that I wanted to get some, I knew that the master's in public policy wasn't like the end for me educationally. I thought I wanted to be a researcher or something like more in depth. Like I thought I was going to get a PhD actually. Um, And I decided to go to medical school honestly because it was the one that scared me the most. Like I was like, I'm not. I I tried gen chem in college and I didn't do very well, um, but I knew that it opened the most doors. Like if I wanted to really talk about health policy and things like that, like I think being a doctor and having that was just I knew like just by working in health policy that that would be the thing to open the most doors. And so when I but I had a lot of self doubt again. I didn't do well in gen chem. Um, I didn't care about my GPA the way a pre-med should. Um, I was not like thinking I'd ever go to medical school. Um, And so uh, when I, told charles about it i think i was just having a lot of self-doubt and he was like if you don't go to medical school because you're afraid you're not gonna do well then i will be mad at you like if you don't want to be a doctor it's fine but like if you want to be a doctor and you know like we'll just you know like try it and it was a huge sacrifice on his end because one i like didn't work for a year i like went to a post back program and like took the science classes and studied day in day now day out and like he had to just like not have a life for a year um and it was probably the most stressful time of my life was doing the post back just because I felt so uncertain about whether or not I would get into medical school. Um, I didn't know if like it would work out. I just remember so many friends who tried pre-med in college and it didn't work. Like I just, I didn't know if it was gonna work out. Like I didn't know if they would like my application, like if my grades are too low, like I just, it was just psychologically really, really hard. and. Yeah. everything kind of lived and died on my MCAT score too. And so that was stressful. Just like, I felt like I was just always thinking like, what if I don't do all my MCAT? Like, and I only had really one shot to take it. So that was like really hard.
0: Yeah. Um, and so for people listening that don't know what a postback is. So yeah. it, like, traditionally, you know, some people go to medical school just straight after college and they have taken all the prerequisite classes to get into medical school in during college, those being like chemistry, organic chemistry, biology, all of that. So for people that don't take those classes during their undergraduate years, they have to do something called a post and take those science classes and the, all the classes required for medical school in usually a compressed timeline. So like you did it in one year, which sounds so stressful. Um, yeah. Having taken those classes <laughs> during undergraduate, it was terrible enough. And in, in college, when I took them, I can't imagine like taking them in a compressed timeline. Um, so that's what a post is. And I, I love that you're being so honest about your self-doubt. And I wonder if you've had time to reflect on or have any thoughts on kind of how you push through that fear. And I think, people would look on the outside and say, you went to Princeton, you're really smart. Like, why were you so scared and insecure? But I think no matter where you go to school, everyone feels like they have imposter syndrome at some point and everyone has insecurity and doubt. So kind of how did you walk through that and process all of that?
1: Well, I think not only that, but I also felt like there are people who were like doubting me too. Like there was definitely like people who were really supportive and like saw the strengths that I had and they were like, you know, you're, you're going to be an asset to the medical school community. Like, let me help you. And there are definitely people who are like, your grades are like, not what most pre-meds are. And like, you're not going to do well. And like, kind of, and I felt like it was hard to decide who was right. Right. Like, it's like, you know, yes, I went to Princeton, but like, I know a lot of my friends who are pre-med and it didn't work out for them. So I think that is going to getting into medical school is like another level. Um, and just like, being smart isn't enough. There's almost like a game you have to play too. And I like was very late to figuring out that game, like, yeah. you know, really caring about my grades and things like that. And like being really particular about like the classes I take, I just was like exploring in college. I didn't really think about those things. Um, and so it was really hard to hear like people being like, oh, you know, what's even funnier is that like some of the postdoc programs required you to like dig up your SAT scores.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, I
1: know. And it was like one of the program directors was like you didn't do well enough on like xyz scores like you probably won't get into med school it was like I was like oh maybe I can't because I didn't do well on my SAT or I don't know like as well as they wanted me to do I know I had to call my high school and get like my transcript it was crazy um but it taught me to go where people encourage you so there are like certain postbacs that are like guaranteed admission to med school and like I felt like I had to go to one of those and it was really hard. I was like, there was one program that I did interview at, and I just didn't feel like they were supportive of me. And there was a new post back that was like, the program director was like, "Here's the strengths I see in your application. Like, this is why you're going to be a great doctor." And so this is like the prestige thing. I was like, withdrew from the more prestigious program post back, being like, "I don't, I don't feel like you're going to support me." And I don't wanna to have to hear that you accepted me and feel like I have to go to you. So let me just withdraw, <laughs> withdraw from yeah. from this and let me go where I'm supported. And that's kind of started my like whole, like I now just like kind of following that mentality these days of like, just like going where I feel most supported because that post back like really got me to where I am. Like they've really supported me and I would go to like my, the director's office and I might cry one day and she'd be like, pick yourself up, <laughs> like you got this. And um and she was right like a lot of med schools were interested in me and liked my story not every med school but like I did end up like getting into multiple med schools and it's because she like encouraged me and she like really supported me throughout that whole process so it's been kind of a lesson to me of like if you have something in your heart like go where people are going to support you like don't just try to go like kind of like to the most prestigious thing just because it is like go where you're going to be most supported
0: Yeah. And I think this also ties all together with the marriage thing. And we're going to talk about motherhood in a second, but that relationships matter more than titles and prestige. Yes. And I think it is so hard in the culture we live in to remember that and to value that. Um, And the ironic thing about it is that you ended up at a very prestigious medical school. (laughs) So, you know, you sort of took this route that you thought was going to be less prestigious and you're at Northwestern now in medical school and so I want to sort of talk about that how were your first few years in medical school and then leading up to your decision well actually how long were you thinking about having a baby before you you decided to have a baby
1: well so I had been married for like a while. I forget how many years but maybe three (laughs) or four years before I like when I started telling people like I have news, like and they'd be like wait are you pregnant and I'd be like no I want to go to medical school like oh I thought you'd be like you're trying to get pregnant like what like what is going on? Um, And anytime I brought up going to medical school, everyone would bring up like, but what about having children? Like, what are you going to do? Like, it was like, literally everyone, like, what are you going to do? Like, do you want have kids? Like, what's going to happen? Like, like, everyone was very afraid for me. As if if you needed more discouragement from going to medical school. (laughs) Yeah. um, So I feel like I wasn't sure when I would have a kid in medical school, but I knew, I mean, it was like either I was going to have a kid in medical school in, or residency, or I'd have to be chosen attending, but I'd be in my like late thirties, forties. Um, and so I don't know, I guess it just, I knew I was just going to do it at some point. And I just kind of accepted that that was going to happen <laughs> um, and that I was just going to have to figure it out because I wasn't going to not do either one, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you weren't going to listen to people telling you, you had to choose, which I love. So, so you start medical school, you decide to have a baby. You had your baby during your second year. Is that right? Or in between your second and third years, tell us about that. I I
1: got so, okay. So let me just talk about my med school for a little bit. So what I love about my med school is that, um, they would bring it up with me too. Like I would be like, they knew I was married and I wanted to have children. And like, anytime I'd talk to like my deans, they'd be like, Oh, like you want to have a child like here are the times that makes sense like if you don't have it during this time that's fine like I just felt like there was always an open door where I could just like go to them and just like talk through when to have a baby um and they also like told me like like a lot of people have babies in med school like it's just, like they just basically were like very supportive of like me having a child in med school. So I think that's part cool. of it is that I went to a really amazing med school. And the, a lot of my deans are like moms. So it helped a lot too, that they know what that's like. So basically I talked to one of my deans about um, different timelines. And she told me that if I did my first two years of med school and something happened that was less flexible with the coursework part. But my last two years of med school, there was like 20 weeks of like flex time on um, for like interviews or just to take a break or whatever and she's like you can use that for your maternity leave and like okay. you can take like yeah and you can like take a, like a couple months off like and come back and she's like I really think year would be a really hard time to have a baby <laughs> um but she's like but like you know but we Charles and I were ready usually people have their kids like fourth year um but we ended up deciding that I would get pregnant my second year of med school. So I'd be like pregnant while I was doing coursework and like less on my feet and then have the baby like right before I started my third year, which again, is like one of the worst times to, to have a kid in med school, <laughs> but I felt and that's ready. And because so. your third year,
0: you're typically doing rotations, right? So, and I know yeah. different med yeah. schools have different, but usually the two first two years are coursework, you know, in the classroom and their the last two years are going through every, you know, switching a schedule every four to six weeks, different yes. rotations. And you're on your, and your really feet. Yeah. yeah. And the pressure of impressing, I think, it, you know, starting a new job is really hard. So starting a new, it's you know, essentially like starting a new job every month. Like that, that first, you know, initial impression is so important. And I can imagine as a medical student, it's really hard to kind of start from scratch every few weeks with a different boss. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, like basically being in medicine is like pick your poison though. Cause like if you have a baby fourth year, which is what most people don't have baby, then you're just like pregnant, like during that whole process.
0: Yeah. whereas like if you yeah, have pregnant it, during your interviews to go into residency yeah. yeah
1: which is why I'm like and we would probably talk about this more but like honestly there's no good time <laughs> like yeah there's no good time yeah I
0: mean no matter what field you're in but it's especially in medicine I think there really is no good time so you okay so you get pregnant your second year how was your pregnancy were you was it a pretty healthy easy pregnancy was it difficult to continue with your coursework how was that
1: so I got, I am like a big planner and we'll talk more about like how I planned this, but so I was like very much like these are the three months that we can get pregnant and then I'd be X amount months pregnant during step one, which is our big board exam. And that's like the optimal pregnant pregnancy time, like pregnant, like big net, like how big you want to be when you're taking step or you're like not too big. <laughs> like seriously, I was like, and then um, we luckily like got pregnant in that timeline and then um, then I had like this beautiful, like schedule for like, th- you know, for third year where I like start slow and like, you know, like ramp it up and like everything was set and then COVID hit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, I did have a pretty like easy pregnancy. I took a lot of my big exams pregnant, like my last big like exams, um, like in my like first trimester, second trimester. And so like, I was, I did a lot of like, you know things and I didn't have like any issues in that sense, very healthy pregnancy. Um, but then like, as I was studying for my board exam, the world shut down and everything changed and my whole schedule was completely ruined. Like everything that I thought that was going to happen didn't happen. And that was what was really hard about it. Cause I had planned so much and like everything I had planned basically like was destroyed.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, so, so talk about, covid like at what point so at what point did you
1: have camille so i had camille in july um and everything shut down in march so the plan was for me to have taken step 1 which is again a major board exam in early april and then i would have done a couple rotations then like that ended in june and then have the baby and come back in october what ended up happening is that i was not able to take step 1 because of the way it was, you know, like they kept, what they stopped allowing us to take the exam as they were trying to figure out COVID. And then by the time they let us take it, I was really pregnant by then. And like, it wasn't, and I was worried about like getting COVID at the testing center and things like that. So I ended up basically being home until October. Like I like came back to med school in October when Camille was like Twelve weeks, which we could talk about how I like got induced to allow that for that to happen and how crazy I am to do that. But yeah. um Yeah. yeah um, so you
0: find out you're not taking step one yeah. and I'm sure you were super disappointed. So you you go ahead and obviously have your baby. So kind of talk about that. Um she came in July and then um so what happened between July and October? And did you feel like you were ready to go back? Just kind of walk us through that.
1: Well, so before that, I like couldn't take stop right and my whole schedule is gone. And then one of my deans was like, I really don't think you can graduate on time, like the way things are going. And I was really depressed about it because I never envisioned myself staying home. And I wanted to graduate on time and I had this schedule where I wasn't gonna take a year off. And that was really hard for me. So while I was like thinking I was gonna take a year off, I was doing all these electives. <laughs> like they offered all these like virtual electives and like I was doing my research. I got a lot of my research done. Um, which saved me because in the end I was able to show my school that I could graduate on time because I had done so much uh, while I was home and wow. gotten a lot of elective credits done. Um, and so, like, so you know, before, saying, like,
0: I want to pause you there for a second, because I think one thing that I've thought a lot about in terms of advancing moms in the workplace is just the importance of advocating for yourself. Oh yeah. So I I love, that. Yeah. I want you to talk, touch on that a little bit because everybody is telling you, this is not going to work for you just take time off. And I think it's perfectly reasonable for moms to take time off. And I, you know, I think that's a huge, like, we don't have to do things the same way that the world tells you, you have to do them in the same timeline. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that moms are incredibly strong and capable and are often underestimated their commitment to whatever they're doing outside of the home. So can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how you had to push back and advocate for yourself?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like I actually sent the email around to my friends just to show how much I had to advocate for myself. So I started to notice that like a lot of my classmates were because of how much COVID had impacted our schedules in general, like people weren't starting rotations until later anyway. And gra- like my classmates weren't going to like start the rotation to like August or September. Yeah. And I was like, if they're starting their rotations in August or September, like, why can't I like, you know, like, why can't we make this work? Um, And I basically made a spreadsheet and showed the school, like, I can make it, like, I can graduate on time. And I, like, emailed them and I was like, I know that, because the assumption was that I'd want to stay home. Like, oh, this is great, Marilee's, like, you're going to be able to stay home, like, blah, blah. And I didn't want to. And so I emailed the school and I was like, I don't want to stay home. That is not our plan. Like, my plan, like, my husband and I are in agreement that he's going to be the one who's going to be, like, taking that time, and he's taking paternity leave, and, like, he's taking three months off, and, like, we have a plan, like, we have a daycare set up, like, all this stuff, like, I don't want to take a year off, and, like, and, like, here is my schedule, and also, like, give me a schedule, like, I want a schedule, like, I basically got last pickings of, like, the schedule, so, like, before I had, like, a schedule that was, like, planned out, and then I just kind of got whatever, like, spots were open, um, and they my school was, like, okay, like, we'll work with you, so, like, my school's, like, great in that sense, um, but I did have to, like, really, like, think about what I wanted, because I feel like people were kind of, like, oh, it's gonna be great, like, you take your off, like, whatever, like, you're having a baby, like, and I was, like, had to really think about what I wanted, yeah. um, and so I got a schedule, which was nice.
0: Yeah, so, uh, sorry to interrupt you, you can yeah. finish if you have anything else to say. Um, I'm just curious why, why not take the year off, right? That seems like the pretty easy common sense route to take. So why did you feel so passionately about not doing that?
1: Maybe I knew more, I guess, I guess I always like options. Like I, I wanted a schedule that if I didn't want to take a year off, I could still continue. And then I could always say, I'm not like, I just didn't know how to feel being a mom.
0: Yeah. I didn't
1: know if I'd want to stay home. Like, I think people assume that, but I kind of knew myself enough to know that I didn't think that would be for me. And I always, like, didn't want to put myself in a position where I would be, like, lonely at home with a baby during a pandemic um, and just, like, not making the progress towards, like, becoming a doctor, which takes a long time. So, like, another wow. year is, like, you know, like, yeah. is delaying more of, like, the training path. And I just didn't, I don't know why. I just felt so, I just really felt strongly that I wanted to finish. I don't know why. I, I Looking back, I probably could have taken a year off, but something about that just didn't sit well with me.
0: Well, and I think it's just a good example of there's no one right fit for a mom. And I I love what you said about options, because I think that's absolutely true. No matter what career path you're in, the more options available, the better for women. And what works for one mom is not going to work for another mom. And, you know, you talked about Charles had already planned to take paternity leave. And so there are all of these considerations. And so this idea that well, you'll just take this one maternity leave, or you'll take this amount of time off. Like that one-size-fits-all approach does not work for anything about parenting. So I don't know why we would think it would work <laughs> in this situation either. So I love that you wanted options and that you advocated for yourself. So
1: take Can I try two, to tell moms yeah, that, like, when they're like, yeah. "Oh, like I, I'm just gonna drop this grant because I'm pregnant, having a baby," I'm like, you don't know how you're gonna like keep the grant. Yeah. Like you don't know yeah. like how you're gonna feel or what your baby's gonna be like. Yeah. I just think that woman should like just have that option of coming back. And like, you can always like, be like, oh, I'm not going to come back. But at least you have that option if you do want to go back. And I'm happy I had that.
0: Yeah. And because it, it, it does feel, it starts to feel like a fear-based decision. And I know I've struggled with this a lot, you know, every time I've gone on maternity leave or made a transition and it, it's totally my mindset of, oh, maybe I should go back part-time or not go back. It's t- It's almost 90% at least like a fear-based decision, right? Like what if I can't be a good mom if I pursue this? Or what if mm-hmm. this doesn't work out or this tears my family apart? And it's not that you want to wait till things are falling apart to walk away, but you also don't want to make decisions as a mom, just solely based out of fear and just take yourself out of the game before you even know if you want to play. Exactly. You can play. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree with that.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So t- you're home with Camille during, you're a new mom during, talk about having a baby during a pandemic. <laughs> Let's start
1: oh, there. Horrible. Horrible. Um, yeah. Cause I was on OB um oh about like six weeks ago or so. Um, and I felt like the cohort pandemic babies that are being born now, it's more hopeful than when I had a pandemic baby yeah, yeah. because like everyone's vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's like you just, don't like it was it was really hard like a lot of the like virtually like, you're like charles couldn't come to like the last appointments like like people couldn't be in the hospital like we no one could meet camille like we didn't have help and it was really isolating really hard to but then also showed us like what we could do as a couple because we didn't really have much help basically because we didn't have we couldn't like we couldn't have people Help us with Camille. So it was really just the two of us trying to figure it out, which was actually kind of nice in some ways. Um, But I like I think things like meeting parents, like meeting other moms, like that's not something I was able to do, you know.
0: Yeah. No, Um, and I think being a mom is isolating in normal times (laughs) because your world has just been completely rocked. You're, you know, no matter what type of feeding you're doing, bottle or. Breast or a combination, like there's so it's just so all consuming and different from your life before. And so it's really isolating when you can see people and get out and about. So, not being able to do that, I, I can't even imagine. And then I also just love what you said about you and Charles, because one of my big mantras as a working mom is that there's such thing as too much help. And people look at me like I am crazy when I say that. Um, but I think it is. And again, I think it's back to the same like fear based decisions. Like, we're so scared of not being able to do it that sometimes we don't even try. And I think there's something really sweet and special about kind of just diving into that role as a mom and like you two together as a mom and dad bonding with Camille during those first few months, like what a sweet and precious gift that you didn't even know you needed. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Like I thought I kind of, that did resonate with me when I heard your podcast about too much help because we like literally had none, no help. Um, And I didn't envision that being the case. Like, I grew up in a community where, like, people have a lot of help when they're raising kids, but it's been actually kind of nice to, like, figure out what our parenting strategy is and to, like, really enjoy the moment and, like, enjoy, like, being content with, like, just staying in and, like, babies asleep and, like, hanging out together and, like, yeah, maybe you don't have, like, date night sitters or things like that, but, like, you know, just, like, really, like, enjoying, enjoying parenthood in that way, and it's been actually much better than I thought it would be. Like, I kind of like assumed that you needed so much more help than we've gotten. Wow. Um,
0: and I, I think so. part of it, and this is my theory, I'm curious if you agree with it, is that especially the first time around, cause I, I would say like now with three kids, I'm much more willing to accept help and I, I can handle the help better if that makes sense. Like, but the first mm-hmm. time around, I was just so insecure about everything I was doing. So to have so many people involved, it makes you just second guess everything and it's I think it's hard to find your footing as a mom when you have so many people involved but if it's just you right. like well it's just you, you know? I so. agree
1: I agree I do I totally agree with that
0: oh wow okay so how did you feel going at what so you go, did you go back in October is that what ended up October? I did so
1: I literally my OB like you know like OB guys went through med school so I totally understand but I was like they like offer three or nine week inductions because of like a study that showed that reduces c-sections and i was like if i do the 30-minute week induction i'll have exactly 12 weeks before i have to be back in (laughs) the (laughs) hospital so we did that i was like if she just hangs around like i may not get a full 12 weeks so yeah so i was induced i delivered actually at my med school um hospital so i was um induced had the baby and had exactly 12 weeks and then i was very ready to go back very very ready like i had my white coat like ready (laughs) um, so I, I definitely am glad that I like decided to not take the year off. Um, and my husband ended up taking three months off. So then, um, so then it was like, I did three, I did like about three months and he did three months before she started care.
0: And I know a lot of families that do that, like instead of taking the simultaneous maternity and paternity leave, they'll actually stagger them just to get more time without needing, you know, the extra help
1: yeah so when I first came back it was truly horrific um Mm -hmm. it was like I started on infectious diseases it was luckily it was pass fail so it didn't really matter but I was lot I forgot my (laughs) stethoscope um and I had to like run to like our like um like we have like a standardized patient like site where like they basically were like trained to like go in a clinical setting and they had like, they have like extra like things like that. And I was like, can I borrow a (laughs) stethoscope?" Um, and I like did not present my patients well. I was super overwhelmed. It was, and I was off cycle. So like people had done like orientations already and I just like did my ID didn't work. Like it was just horrible. Um, and I definitely questioned like myself during that. Um, and like questioned going to medical school uh but and then also one of the fellows said something to me along the lines of like oh like this you know no it wasn't that great and like i know you want to be home with your daughter But like, and something like that. And after that, he said that I realized that if I was going to be a mom in med school, I had to be like a hundred times better than everyone else. Like I couldn't leave room for people to be like, oh, she's not doing that because she's a mom. Like she like, she's like late because she's a mom or like blah, blah, blah. And so actually as hurtful as that was, it was like very motivating and very helpful for me to have like heard that. Um, Because after that, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do this. Like I'm going to like always be early be there before everyone else be better than everyone else um and then also like i'm gonna like um i'm just gonna like really like like i just decided like i gave up breastfeeding i mean I, everyone has like they different like whatever but like i decided during those two weeks that i wasn't gonna pump i was just gonna because that would be too stressful like i kind of decided what my priorities were like they were gonna be to like do well in school and then like to like be like any time I have with after like work, like just be with Camille. So I would like study really early in the morning. So I'd wake up like four. And that way, when I came home, I would always like not have work to do. I would just be like, hanging out with Camille. So those are my two priorities. And I felt like if I was like pumping or had other things, like it would just kind of take away from those two things. Um, And then I've just been doing amazing, like way better than I ever thought I would ever. Like I'm almost done. And it's been actually like a really awesome time like academically for me so I think that really kicked me into gear
0: <laughs> yeah and I I'm just so proud of you for pushing through those difficult moments and those comments and I remember a coworker sharing a similar story once where somebody she did like a really good job on a case and they're like oh I'm surprised you did this because I know you're a mom like and just like mm-hmm. implying that like you don't care about this because you're a mom which obviously bothers me for the reason that like moms are just so amazing and can juggle a lot but the way our value, view, uh, the way our society values or devalues motherhood, and to say that like anybody, a father or an aunt or anybody, should be like putting their job on such a pedestal and letting all the relationships in their life falter, <laughs> like it's so dumb. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, it's just it's so crazy that he would say that to you or she. I don't know if it was a he or she, but
1: it was a he. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I figured. Although you know, I think women can sometimes be even harder on women than men are. So that's a whole nother topic for another day. But I just, I love that you have powered through and shown just like how resilient moms are and proved everybody wrong on so many levels. And so I guess now as you're about to finish, are there things, um, do you feel like convicted to encourage more people to have babies in medical school? Do you feel like there are definitely ways the system could easily change to accommodate that more?
1: I, I do. I feel like I am more strongly like feel like people should just have like I think I'm more saddened by people who wait to have a baby for their medical training and find out they can't or they like would have had more time with that child if they had them like, you know, 10 years earlier. Because I think that it has been such a strong asset. And I think we underemphasize the strength of being a mother. I think my grades have been so much better than they would have been if I wasn't a mom, because I can relate so much more to anyone I'm talking to. Like I can relate with the patients. I can relate when I'm on ob I'm like, I was just here. I gave birth. Like I can like relate with that. I can relate with the parents who are going through like with their, you know, first time moms and like at, on pediatrics, which I'm on right now. Um, I, my attendings all have children. I can relate with them. Like, I think the more diversity you have in general in medicine, the more, the better it is. Like when people are like, like, you know, talking about like breastfeeding or something um, and like no one's a mom in the room and I could be like, Oh, like, you know, actually like, it's actually really hard. Ho- like that's actually really hard. Or like, that's, yeah. you know, the, you know, like, Oh, this is what happens when your milk comes in. Cause they'll say things that don't know what it means. Yeah. Um, or like, don't, you know, like, I think what you said could be really hurtful to a mom who's like trying to, um, you know, go through this or I thought one thing was really funny is like I was with an OB resident who doesn't have kids and she's talking to like a mom and she's like this is like a three-week-old baby and she's like oh is he not sleeping through the night I was like
0: oh my gosh
1: <laughs> oh my god do they like t- teach you this? like i was like wow and she's like oh you know just sleep when the baby sleeps i'm like "Mm, very unhelpful like like, she doesn't know because she's not a mom like yeah and so i feel like the like things like that it's like i'm like oh i'm glad i like know that not to say (laughs) not to say that um oh
0: that's so so interesting because i i think that being a mom I would argue also makes me better at my job because, and I, you touched on this a little bit of like time management, right? Like you knew that you wanted to get up and study so that you, when you got home, you could just be present with your daughter. And I think that is so much more motivating and powerful to be efficient and effective than just like, I have the entire day to study and I'm kind of like about like putz around or scroll Instagram for 30 minutes or, you know, do whatever other distraction. Like when you have that meaning in your life and you wanted to be with Camille, organizationally, I think it helps you so much and work, but then also I love how you said it, it just literally made you a better doctor.
1: Um, yeah. And just it. going to, and to the point, to your point too, like some of my classmates ask me like, how's it going? And I'm like, the best part about being a mom is that it shrinks my identity in medicine. So like, if you have like a pie, right? Like my identity as a med student just shrank like a lot. So like, if anything goes wrong, like I don't, it doesn't affect me as much. Cause I'm like, well, whatever. Like I have, like, I have more than this. Right. Like it's not your life doesn't
0: rise and fall with your medical career. Yeah.
1: Exactly. There have been times where it's like, you know, oh, like that didn't go well. But I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to hang out with Camille or go to the beach. And like, I just, I actually, because of her, like I have more leisure time. Like, I'll like go to the beach with her because I like do more like things that are like actually really good for like your mental health because I'm like, like we do things outside of it. And, and my like, work hasn't suffered which I think is interesting right like so like when I was on a really intense um, medicine rotation where we like work a lot of hours we had a lot of questions to go through in order to like be ready for our first like exam for that section and my classmates would be like oh my god like I like I'm not gonna get through it like I like I only got through half and I'm like how is it that I'm done with it <laughs> like I <laughs> Like, I just think it's interesting because it's like the idea, like, people are like, don't have kids because they're going to slow you down. And, like, I don't like hire mom, like, just hire us. Like, we're way more efficient. I
0: totally agree with that. I remember when I went to take the bar exam, and my Lucy, my oldest, was eight months at the time, and everybody was like, How are you doing this? and they all look like zombies, like totally cracked out, like hadn't slept in weeks. And I'm like, how are you living like this? Like, I don't understand. (laughs) Like We're doing the same thing, but you look so much more unhealthy. And it does, like, it just keeps you grounded. And and strangely, that actually makes you better at everything you're doing because you have better perspective. You're paying more attention to your mental health. And Mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I think that's so interesting. And this narrative that you hear, like it will slow you down or ruin this or ruin that no it, it it enhances your life as every relationship does like when you value things outside of your performance
1: exactly and i think that's why my clinical performance has been so strong because like it's probably because i just quite frankly don't care as much yeah. so i'm more myself like i'm more like able to relate i'll be more open i'll talk about things that are important to me i'm not as afraid to be i'll give you an example like um um, my OB rotation, my, um, we, like, work with doctors, and one of my doctors I worked with, like, she has kids, everyone, all the doctors had kids, and, like, we were just able to, like, talk about, like, kids, in-laws, like, parents who were like, like, different things, like, we were just always, like, t- like having these conversations, and she was, like, I, like, actually, she's now my OB, because, like, we had a really good time, and, like, I came and went to talk to her, and she's, like, honestly, like, it's really hard sometimes having students, like, they just, a lot of times they don't relate well. Like there's nothing to talk about. And I just enjoyed having you because you had more to talk about than like there. We I felt like I could like, we could talk about things outside of medicine and like things like that, where it's like, that's a huge asset, right? And I think people yeah. like undervalue the asset of having children. And I'm like on a mission, like I knew my friends who are like, I want to have children. I'm like, I, I think that you should obviously wait till your relationship is where you want it to be or financially you feel secure, but do not wait till medicine tells you you can have children. Yeah. Like yeah. it will never want you to have children and don't yeah, believe that being yeah. an attending will make it better or whatever. Like medicine would want you to, for it to consume your life. Like that's ideal for it. Like that's how it gets the most value out of you. Um, and Which, so I'm just kind of, beyond. yeah, no, go ahead. And, go ahead. But I just like, I've been telling my classmates and trying to like be positive about like being a mom yeah. and just to encourage them that they shouldn't feel like it's this huge like burden I feel like a lot of people feel like it's like something that you can't you know do at all or you have to wait till you're like so perfect
0: yeah and but like you said there's never a good time and no one's ever going to give you permission to do it or tell you it's a good time
1: so yeah and I think you have to think about I read a book about like um it's like I know how she does it and it's basically about like women who are like Um, and leadership positions and how they have children. And it kind of made me rethink time. So it basically talked a lot about like um, big picture looking at time. So having Camille in, in my late 20s versus having her in my 40s gave me 10 years of life with her. Like I just get to be a mom 10 years earlier. I get to see 10 years more of my grandkids, like things like that. So yes, it's like really hard to do it while I'm in training, but I feel like it was worth it for that alone, right? Um, and then also just like, there are times like in med school where I have like a full month off, right? Like I'm going to have like two months before I, like between when I graduate and like when I start residency and that's time that like, that counts too. Like that's time I spend with her too. And like, maybe there's like some weeks where I like, I don't spend as much time, but there's other weeks where I spend more time, like thinking about time more holistically versus just being like, Oh, like I'm in med school. Like I'm never going to have time. Like, of course you have time. There's like, it ebbs and flows. Or even and, saying like today
0: I had a bad day, which happens to stay at home moms too. You know, I exactly. think I want to make, make this point too, because I think even as a stay at home mom, there are things that will occupy your time, especially if you have multiple children or you get sick or things will happen. And a bad day doesn't mean you're a bad mom or doesn't mean you're not spending time with your baby.
1: Exactly. Um, and then I think I liked what you were saying about, and your, um, about how like in your podcast about what does law give you like what are the things it brings to table Mm -hmm. and when i think about what me going through med school will do for camille it's like one financially going to be really helpful for me to be able to like give her resources that um, i wouldn't be able to otherwise if i wasn't a physician just giving her the ability to think like i can do this too one day like if she i think the likelihood of her pursuing medicine or like a high Um, income career or high like leadership career is more predicated on like whether she saw that I could I did it right like and so I think that's also something that she'll get from it Um, and so I like to try to think about those things too where it's like yeah I'm missing out on some of these things but at the same time like I love the daycare that she's at she's like has an awesome dad that spends a lot of time with her she's well loved she's well cared for and like I think that in the end this will be worth it for her too so I do still still feel like I'm making a decision that is beneficial to her in the end, you know?
0: Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And I think that is a perfect note to end on, unless you have anything else you want to share that's on your heart, any final words for women kind of wrestling with, do I have a baby and is now a good time?
1: I think, I think that my biggest takeaway is like, don't wait for medicine or whatever your career to be ready for you to have a baby. I think it's like, just have one when you feel like you're ready because yeah. you know inherently inconvenient to have a child for any system <laughs> and so yeah. the only way that that's going to change is if we kind of like push that change and I think yeah. like more like I hope that like when people get pregnant behind me and there's a woman who got pregnant before me who like pushed the bounds and like hopefully I push the two and then people behind me will be able to like have like be less scared of having a baby in med yeah. school right at my school so I think the more that we can just like be trailblazers and advocate for ourselves, the more that we can really like make it normal for women to have babies in training or intense jobs.
0: Yes, absolutely. Oh, so much wisdom today. Thank you so much, Marlise. I appreciated this conversation. It was so encouraging to me and I'm sure it will be to so many other moms. So thank you so, so much.
1: Well, thank you for having me.